Welcome to the Always Never Write podcast, a podcast with adult ingredients just for Gen Xers who are getting to middle age and are wondering how the fuck that happened. Thanks for joining us on the Podfix Network. I'm Jake Farrell. And I'm Elwood Biggs. Tonight, we're going to be a little bit single-minded. We decided we'd cover one topic only. And what a... That's provided we don't like veer off topic because we do that. But please continue. Fair. Very fair. Um, Okay, so it's all going to be spurred by one topic, but we all know what we're like. But that topic is... Blues Brothers. Yes. Yes, An iconic movie that deserves far more reverence than we believe it's ever been given. I I do. I actually do. I know. It's like a lot of folks love it. Attention. I know. A lot of people love it. A lot of people are like, if it comes on TV, I'll watch it at any given moment. But not many people are actually sitting down and going through it and talking about it and watching it at random. And basically just less attention is paid to this classic than some other films from the same time period. And because of that, and my undying affection for the illustrious, multi-talented Dan Aykroyd, <laughs> we decided to devote entire episode to it. Plus, I have to notice, we, I have to note, we just showed it to AJ this weekend. And he, it's one of the few times he sat and watched an entire movie with us glued to the screen adored it and i'm like that's my boy i would like to see if millie would watch it she has some anxiety around movies not sure why but uh, i'm interested to see if she would actually watch this so anyhow you might say we're on kind of a mission from god here (laughs) so um do you want an orange whip orange whip three orange whips or like two maybe maybe more than two depends on how far gone we go but more so tonight, because of the epic John Candy scene in the movie, we decided we were going to try out the Orange Whip because he was ordering for this for Coughslow. I like legit. I didn't actually know that it had alcohol in it. I thought it was like a like an ice cream treat or some bullshit like that. And so when I found out it was really booze, I was super like very, very excited. The basic recipe is a little bit of vodka, a little bit of rum, a little bit of cream and orange juice, and then you whip it up. And of course, (coughs) in deference to Gina's Hall Pass, Dan Aykroyd, (laughs) contributions to all things blues and booze, we use Crystal Head Vodka to whip this up. So see what I did there? (laughs) I do. I do see what you did there. I like that I, just as I did that, you totally licked the edge of your pory thing. (laughs) <laughs> okay, well, you said the name Dan Aykroyd, so, you know. <laughs> My All apologies to Donna Dixon. I'm, I'm sorry. I just, yeah. To me, this kind of tastes like a boozy orange Julius. I love mm. it. Funny you mention that. Um, and funny you mentioned licking, because <laughs> I, you remember dreamsicles? Mm-hmm. Totally makes me think of dreamsicles. Yeah, totally. I'm with you on that. And it's beautiful, and it's orangey, and it's creamy. Although I will admit, um, I realized too late that my um, cream went off, so I couldn't use it. But oh yuck! I had some whipped cream in the fridge. <laughs> so you just like pushed it in there and like then shook it up together. Pretty much, yeah. And you know what? It's pretty fucking good. Doesn't suck. I know. And besides, Crystal Head. What beauty. Yeah, but it's pretty smooth. It's pretty smooth. So, yeah. And I used the rum you introduced me to, the Flor... Uh, Flor Bacana. Thank you. That's some yummy so, stuff. I know. Both of those together with the fresh squeezed orange juice. Thank you for my squeezer. I hope you liked it. I do. And I used my little whippy thing when I wasn't shaking. I did too. I used my little whippy thing so I didn't have to shake it. I know. Shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it like a Polaroid picture. That is not 
from this movie, but it's a good song. (laughs) There we go. You know, but Blues Brothers, I think it's still a perfectly good, a perfectly cromulent segue because Blues Brothers is nothing if not about the music. Oh, my God. Holy shit. I saw this movie. I remember watching literally every scene going, oh, my God, that's so-and-so. Oh, my God, look who that is. Oh, my God, look who's in this scene. Because almost every scene has people that you recognize from other shit, especially, like, artists and musicians and all of that stuff. Oh, I do Oh, and quick bit of trivia. What does this, uh, what two things does this movie have in common with Star Wars? Um, Carrie Fisher and Frank Oz. Yes. Oh, I got it. You got it. Because both of them are in the first movie. Yeah. Carrie Fisher billed as Mystery Woman and Frank Oz. When when I told AJ, by the way, that's the voice of Miss Piggy right there. AJ looked at me and said, that's fucked up. Well, I didn't say that's fucked up. But in 12-year-old anal retentive boy speak, he said that's fucked up. Like, that's flipped up, I think is the exact quote. The thing that surprised me about this is that when I realized that this came out after Star Wars and Carrie Fisher still had such a small part and was billed as just mystery woman, that was crazy. I know, but another quick piece of trivia. So this is where she met Dan Aykroyd. Mm -hmm. And for a brief period, they were engaged. I heard about that. John Belushi. After she she choked on a Brussels sprout. (laughs) I know. I love the interview she did on that. I actually have notes on this because it cracked me up. What about it? I almost, I almost choked on some kind of vegetable that I shouldn't have been eating. Brussels sprouts, Fisher told CNN. He saved my life and then he asked me to marry him. And I thought, wow, what if it happens again? I should probably marry him. It's <laughs> you know, there's worse people, worse reasons that people have gotten married. True. And I'm not, I'm not going to get into an example right at this point so mother introducing anyway uh. (laughs) but Um, i digress i didn't realize that dan Aykroyd had actually written this movie yes okay did you see what it this is why dan Aykroyd is not only one of my hall passes he's also my spirit animals did you read about the script I read that it was, like, super, super long and that John Landis had to edit the fuck out of it to make it into a movie script. (laughs) (laughs) 324 pages long. And when you consider that movies are, like, one page a minute, screenplay time. Yeah, so that's why I'm like, oh, my homie. (laughs) I love you, Dan. Yeah, that's a lot of minutes. Yeah, but I wonder, and what I really wish I had a red line version of the original script with what they ended up with, because the lines in this fucking movie, the lines. The lines are amazing, but also just the way they're delivered. They're just delivered with such amazing deadpan that I think it's just pretty much incredible. I love, I love, love, love the way this movie just comes off. Like, literally, this is probably in... in, my top 10 favorite movies of all time. Oh, understandable. Cause it's phenomenal. And there's so many musics like Illinois Nazis. I hate oh Illinois my God, Nazis. Yes. I hate <laughs> Illinois Nazis. <laughs> and I think that's especially um, important right now. <laughs> there we go. And the perfect Chicago accent, Aykroyd, a Canadian uses when he says we're on a mission from God. We're on a mission from God. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> um, I, I just thought it was so awesome. Oh. And I did not realize uh, that John Landis was the cop in that very first police car that crashed. That was like, they broke my watch. I didn't realize that he was that guy. Uh, <laughs> uh, there are so many fun little... Um, like not just trivia things, but little things like that and how everyone shows up in the end credits and, um, I I don't know. I, I forgot until I rewatched it again. I had forgotten that John Candy was technically a cop. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he didn't act like one. He was a parole officer. I don't know if that's the same as a cop. 
I mean, somebody can let us know and keep us honest, but I'm not sure if a parole officer is a cop or if it's like some extra, like a social worker kind of thing. Oh, yeah, good point. Oh, 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 but speaking of the car crash, I have two pieces of trivia about the car crash. Do it. Okay, number one. Did you know that this film holds the world record for the number of car crashes? Not true. Well, it used to. It did for a while, but then some other movies came along afterwards. Do you want to know? Oh, sorry. Do you know what film holds? How many was it? 104 cars, including 60 police cars. None of the 60 police cars whatsoever came out of it drivable on the back end. (laughs) I love that story. I literally love watching the cars crash. That's one of my favorite things. (laughs) Drive off the cliff and... The Dotsons just falling one mile through the air, which they apparently had to do this whole permitting process and contact the FAA so for that funny. and everything. It was so funny with the Nazis in it. Yeah. Oh. The other thing, one of the stunt drivers in one of the cars was another famor- famous actor's son. Do you know what, what famous actor? John Wayne's son, Ethan Wayne. Really? No, I did not know that. Yeah, he began acting in 1970, apparently, but he supplemented his work in front of the camera with some stunt driving gigs, including the Blues Brothers. Did you know that at the very end of the movie, when they're playing in the prison, that first prisoner to jump on the table is Joe Walsh from the Eagles? (laughs) Holy shit, really? Yeah. Damn it, I was researching and I still missed that. Fuck. I win. What? Ah, okay. Do you know what John Belushi's name was or nickname was on set? Yes, the black hole. And do you know why? Obviously, he lost all his glasses. (laughs) I think he went through like a thousand pair of sunglasses. It was like every take you would lose them. I I read that. It's funny because we both, we always do research for our shows before we do them. I won't say (laughs) always, but. We try to. <laughs> and uh, clearly we hit a lot of the same sites today. Apparently. Well, okay, how about this? Do you know someone who, but for a beef with one of the cast members, would have been in the band? I do. Paul Schaefer. And yes. I even know what this was about. It was about Gilda Radner's You do Gilda Radner's album. Damn it! I didn't even know Gilda Radner had an album. <laughs> I don't either, but it, at least he showed up in Blues Brother 2000, so you know they got over it. But yeah, John Belushi was apparently bent out of shape over Paul Schaefer helping the Gilda Radner and, um, album, so he kept her out of kept him out of Blues Brothers. And man, I could not have fucked up that entire description more, could I? <laughs> it was pretty close though. Thank you, but I do love that so many people in that were people who were in the Saturday Night Live band at that point. I agree. Who, and not all of them, because they did pull a couple other people um, from um, other places, but um, I actually used to watch Saturday Night Live when it first came out because my siblings are much older than me, so after mom and dad went to bed, my siblings would wake me up and sneak me downstairs to watch SNL with them, so I actually remember Paul Schaefer as leading the Saturday Night Live band at that time. And it was magisterial. It was what? Magisterial. Majestic. There you go. (laughs) Anyway, moving Uh, on, and we're going to get away from my spoken typo. So... (laughs) <laughs> I found something that I thought was kind of interesting. So, you know, that very first song that she called the Katie, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Did you know that that's a Kansas, a Missouri, Kansas, Texas railroad called the Katie? Since my daddy was a railroader, believe it or not, I did know. Good for you. Thank I didn't you. know that. I always wondered what the Katie was. But I thought it was really cool that it was Missouri, Kansas, and Texas because you and I have the Missouri and Texas connections. So, and, you know, like I've mentioned before, my mom lives in Kansas. So, 
somehow it. I don't know how it um, managed to teleport past Oklahoma, but kind of cool. There actually are no railroads in Oklahoma. That's so weird. I guess it goes around and just yeah. kind of hits the edge and skirts down Arkansas. There are no railroads in Oklahoma. That's uh, now I did not know that. That's weird. Yep, that's true because my grandfather used to take. Um, yeah. Wow. I'm like 99% sure of that. Wow. Well, crazy. Well, I, yeah. Now I have to look it up. Okay. Yeah, because I'm very curious about that now. So commence to Google and do, 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 Amtrak just began rail service in Oklahoma in 2018. What the fuck? What the fuck, Oklahoma? Yeah. Well, now, if that ever, if y'all are having a trivia night some night and that comes up, you know. Now you guys know. There you go. And you're welcome, by the way, for <laughs> winning. <laughs> so, yeah. so, what's your favorite band member's name from the Blues Brothers Band? Probably... Matt Guitar Murphy. Ah, I just really I, can like see, I can see that. I I got a I got a swing on the side of Donald Duck Dunn. Yeah, yeah, because Donald Duck Dunn. How can you not love that? <laughs> I just always thought it was hilarious. <laughs> of course, the first time I watched this movie, I was like ten years old. So of course, Donald Duck would be the one that stuck with me. <laughs> sure. So sure. yeah. Um, who was your go ahead you go who is your favorite um, musical cameo in the film oh man I'm going right for the hard driving questions for me it would have to be between James Brown and Aretha yes and this is why we're friends Probably going to have to be Aretha. If I had to like narrow it down and just pick one, it'd have to be Aretha. And may I venture a guess at the tipping factor for Aretha? What? Dry white toast and four fried chickens and a Coke? Yeah, you can take your dry white toast. You can leave here without your four fried chickens. I know. That was, because that song was amazing. Her, and you're exactly right, James Brown and Aretha had... Two of the hands-down best songs in yeah. there, which is saying something. Scenes, honestly. But her sassing the fuck out of Murphy. And and even at the very end, when Blue Lou is standing there and she looks at him and she goes, well, go on, get out of here. <laughs> That's right. I love that so much. I know. She was fucking magic. And every time I looked at that, I thought of... Oh, believe it or not, of all things, Obama's inauguration and the giant <laughs> ass hat. I just kept thinking of the hat every time I saw her. That's funny. But I'm weird that way. So thank you for that. So what question were you going to ask? I was going to ask what your favorite scene is. If you had to pick one scene that makes you absolutely look at this movie and be like, fuck, Yes. I have been trying to think of this all day and like I can easily narrow it down to three, but if I have to pick just one, what would you pick? Oh, okay. I, I literally have been thinking about this all day and having a really, really hard fucking time sorting this out. Um, because obviously based on me, I keep wanting to gravitate toward the Bassamast. Uh, Bassomatic Master, Dan Aykroyd. Well, that's not really in this. <laughs> no, but it's one of the first things I remember him from and going, he's cute. Um, but, uh, <laughs> okay, I'm a fucking weird. We all know this. So, um, it's not not cute. Well, right. But uh, watching him dance cracks me up every single time. And I keep thinking, how does he move like that? He just I runs mean, in place. I know he does this. No, but he does this really weird dance toward the end. 
um, when they're they're doing their big number in the concert hall, where he like slams down on his kneecaps and pops right back up. And I'm like, how has he not had like six knee replacement surgeries since he did that? But that said, I honestly think my favorite scene in the movie has nothing to do with Dan Aykroyd, believe it or not. Cab Calloway singing Minnie the Moocher. Minnie the Moocher. Fuck yeah. That's an amazing scene. And what I love, what I love about that particular scene is that he says to the band, you know, do you know Minnie the Moocher? And they're all just wearing their normal clothes. And they say, yeah, we can do this, basically. And so he's like, okay. And they open the curtain and he's like, in this stellar white and they're, they've got their big band Lawrence Welk looking shit on and they're all wearing their outfits except for the drum guy that still has his little visor on <laughs> but the audience is just like I don't know what to think and then the second he starts going they just go crazy I love that it gives me goosebumps I love that part I know I think um and Okay, I'm going to Google again just to make sure. But I think, you know how every time I watch a movie with John the Brit, he researches everything that happens sure. throughout the Yeah. So he, he says that, married. yeah, that's why we're married. You you done good, woman. Um, Thanks. But he, he says that apparently when the crowd was brought in for that performance, they were not told what they were going to see. And all the audience reactions were completely and utterly what, yeah, legit. So when kind of thing, yeah, (laughs) I bet it was. So when Cab Calloway comes out and does that, everyone's legitimately like, "Holy fuck, Cab Calloway singing Minnie the Moocher!" And I gotta say, periodically, I sit there and go, "Hi, hi, 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 hi." Well, you know, we have a new cat named Daisy, and <laughs> she was a feral cat, and so, <laughs> sorry, I'm eating the orange out of my thing. She's a feral cat, and so she's actually a little bit of a moocher, <laughs> and I keep calling her Daisy the moocher, and I sang that song to her the other day. Folks, here's the story about Daisy the moocher. She was a low down huge <laughs> Such a fucking great song. It's an uh, awesome. And in all seriousness, Cab fucking Calloway. Uh-huh. Holy shit. How did they get that many fucking musical geniuses in the one film? Well, we're gonna talk next week about the sequel, Blues Brothers 2000. And there are just as many musical geniuses in that film. Some of the same ones. Some of the same ones, but the ones that make you go, holy shit, is that who I think it is? And it is. So I'm getting more orange whip, orange whip. This is my third orange whip. Yeah, I'm on my third one. (laughs) But yeah, so what's your favorite scene? Well... The whole concert scene, of course, with the mini, the moocher and all that is, is a definite top contender. I would, I would still have to go with Aretha. Nice. The whole scene in the diner where they come in, she talks about these crazy honkies that want four, they want four fried chickens and some dry white toast. (laughs) I mean, the whole scene is just done so well. And then when she's singing, I actually love how the boys get up and they're like dancing beside the girls <laughs> on the chorus parts. I just like every piece of that scene is so perfect. Just perfection. I, I, I just, I love it so much. That scene is one of those ones that I wait for that like, I could have to pee my pants so bad and I would still sit and wait for that scene to be over before I would go. And then, of course, right outside on the street is John Lee Hooker and, like, how the fuck are all of these amazing people in this show? 
Isn't one of the people out in the front seat um, Uncle Carlton from Fresh Prince or something? No. No? No. Are we sure? I got it. Okay, hold on. Uncle Phil? Yeah. Carlton. What did I say? No. Oh, not Carlton. Uncle Phil. It's not Uncle Phil. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I got conflated with the Carlton dance for a second. Yeah. No, it's John Lee Hooker and... Um, I also have to say, though, <clears throat> if I have to go for, like, what's your favorite line from the movie? <laughs> you can probably guess what I'm going to say. I love the part where they're talking about the car and Jake is pissed that Elwood picked him up in a cop car. And Elwood's like, yeah, but this car is amazing. I got it at the auction down in Parkwood. And it's got... Cop shocks, cop brakes, cop engine. And this is an engine before the catalytic converter, so you can use regular gas. It's got... <laughs> I mean, he's so funny. Like, that's so funny. It's so, like, they're, everything that they deliver is just so deadpan. And it's, like, just perfection. Oh. Okay, so your two best lines by the two leads. Number one, what's your favorite John Belushi line? Mm. Oh, I gotta think about that for a minute. Okay. Well, find the exact line from my. Hold on. I'll give. I can give you my favorite John Belushi line in the meantime. Okay. If you like, it's when they're um, underground and Carrie Fisher is like um, holding the guns on them. And he goes, no. And she goes, you betrayed me. And he's like, no, I didn't. I ran out of gas. I I had a flat tire. I didn't have enough, mon- enough money for cab fare. My tux didn't come back from the cleaners. An old friend came in from out of town. Someone stole my car. There was an earthquake, a terrible flood. Locust. It wasn't my fault. I swear to God. I don't know why, but that cracks me the fuck up every time. I hate that line because, like, to me, he's, like, making up any excuse and she then buys it. And so that's why I hate that line. See, I hate that she buys it because Carrie Fisher in real life has far more self-respect than her character did. But the fact that this slovenly little shit is throwing everything against the wall to see what sticks cracks me up. That she fell for it doesn't, I will acknowledge. So. So, hold on. I'm going to do my favorite L. Oh, or do you want to go? Or do you want me to- Here's my L with Okay. It's got a cop motor, a 440 cubic inch plant. It's got cop tires, cop suspension, cop shocks. It's a model made before catalytic converters, so it'll run on regular gas. What do you say? Is it the new Bluesmobile or what? That's nice. like my favorite Elwood line. My favorite Elwood line, and I know you well enough to know, you're going to know how to follow this up. So here we go. All right. There are 106 miles to Chicago. We have a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes, it's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. There we go. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm confused, though, about why this film did so poorly when it was released. I don't know either. And, and obviously... It made an impact with my family because, I shit you not, my older brother named, um, we had a dog that was born all black, but with like almost like a white cross on his chest, kind of like a collar and a a tie. And my my brother named him Elwood. And uh, we had a litter of kittens about the same time. And my favorite cat out of there, my brother also named Jake. And I was like, fuck you. I'm going to name the cat. But in retrospect, I'm like, thank you, big brother, for naming them Jake and Elwood. Because it's a great childhood memory of mine now. I'd like to show you a shirt I'm wearing tonight. You wore it. Yay. It is my St. Helens of the Blessed Shroud Orphanage shirt. (laughs) Because that's important. It absolutely is. And I, I mean, Joliet Jake, um, yeah. I, I gotta admit when the nun, the whole scene with the penguin, the whole scene with the penguin is hilarious 
how like all the stuff starts happening magically, like the door magically opens and all that. That's amazing. We we told AJ that he had to. You need to watch until the end of the scene, and then watched her glide backwards through the door. It was fucking brilliant. Seriously, amazing. inspired fucking movie. And do you I remember when she threw them down the stairs and said, "What was it?" She said, "Like you have bad attitudes or something like that." Something like that. Oh, yeah. oh, oh! My other favorite scene. My other favorite scene, legit, is when they're driving through the mall. <laughs> you know, and they're like, "This mall has lots of room," and they're and they're like deliberately aiming for the store edges and trying like knock the glass down and stuff. And they keep hitting stuff, and then they're driving by stuff, and they're like, "Oh, Pier One." <laughs> I love that part so much. They're like calling out the stores. Oh. I had an epiphany this morning because of that scene or oh, yesterday because of that scene. So we were sitting there and I'm like, Oh, I've been in this mall. I've been in this mall. My ex-husband took me to this mall. That mall has not been open since 1978. I know you haven't been in that mall. No, my ex-husband took me to a mall in Calumet city once and told me this is a mall where that scene for the blues brothers was filmed. And I totally fucking believed him. Of course you did. And it was just yesterday when I figured out he lied. <laughs> so there's That's super that. funny that you just got that. Um, You're welcome. Welcome to my world. I loved saying we're on a mission from God. <laughs> <laughs> Something I found out today as I was researching this is that Aretha Franklin's career had kind of started to go downward. And once she did this movie, it went back up hugely. Like she got a huge resurgence just from doing this. Right. Apparently so did James Brown. Yeah. Because of disco. Disco had kind of replaced these R&B people from the 60s. And because of that, it was sort of gone. And then all of a sudden, this was huge. I don't, how weird is it that a Canadian and uh, where's Sean Belushi from? Um, hold on. Like a Canadian. Oh, he's from Chicago. A Canadian and a guy from Chicago completely revitalized two careers out of randomness because of a killer bee sketch on Saturday Night Live. What? So here's something I was devastated to hear. Oh, no. With Carrie Fisher... Um, she had two really big deal on-screen kisses in 1980. Harrison Ford, John Belushi, and she said, John's a better kisser. Oh, really? I did not catch that in my research. Wow. I was devastated to hear that. That's... Devastated. Because Han Solo is my hall pass. <laughs> well, Sorry. You're fucked then. But I get Dan Aykroyd, who I'm sure took notes because he's an Aspie. I'm sure he's a shitty kisser, too. No, he's an Aspie. He will have taken notes and can now perfectly mimic. I guarantee I'm an Aspie. I know these things. Did I you know that the movie actually raised $200,000 for Chicago orphanages? I did not know that. Yeah. Holy shit. During, uh, so after Daly's death in 1976... Because Belushi went to the mayor, who had just started her first term, to get them to allow them to film the movie in Chicago. He offered to donate $200,000 to the orphanages. And because he was, like, the, the deal was he got to drive a car through the windows of Daly Center. <laughs> and they said, oh. okay. Which, even though that Daly Plaza... Um, scene when they got to the assessor's office was filmed in a studio i did yeah. i did pick up that i'm sure you know who it was who played the person in the assessor's office obviously it was steven spielberg i know how fucking crazy is that did you notice that the picasso sculpture was painted black at that time it's orange now yeah what the hell that was weird i know because they actually name-checked it during the thing. So I pointed out to AJ, oh, oh, because we've driven past that when we've gone uh, to vacations in Chicago. Yeah. 
And I'm like, where? Oh, fuck, that's it. Okay, that was really weird. (laughs) I had never noticed until a couple times ago when I watched this that Shaka Khan was the soloist in the choir. And I was like, "That is that fucking Shaka Khan? And so I looked it up, totally was. Isn't that wild? Oh, and apparently Aretha, the the three women who sing during all of Aretha sings, uh, Aretha's... Her helper sing people. All the people who sang during Aretha's scenes are her relatives, who are like her sisters and her cousin or something like that. Yeah, I mean, like her normal backup singers. I think her normal backup singers were family. Really? I'm going to do, 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 do. Okay, I'm going to look this up. Um, oh, yeah. Her sister Carolyn and cousin. 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 Cousin Brenda Corbett. Cool. So how cool is freaking that? And they, yeah, they were in the Blues Brothers with her. How awesome! So apparently, singing's hereditary. Well, that's awesome. Hmm. But I love. Well, I didn't realize until I read it online today that, um, like the John Lee Hooker "Boom Boom Boom Boom" was not <laughs> on the soundtrack. I, the soundtrack doesn't have everything, and that is always. Um, I remember that because remember that bar we used to go to when I was in law school from time yeah. to time. That little yeah. hole in the wall. I always would go over, go over and play Blues Brothers soundtrack songs anytime we go. I guess I just never realized that it didn't have everything. I mean, I get that, like because so much was in it, you couldn't have everything. No, but that was one that always really broke my heart because I looked for it and I'm like, no, how can you not have that? That was back when it was all on CD as opposed to being digital. Right. Which is funny because before that was on vinyl and we don't even say that as being the old thing now, but I digress. CDs are the old thing because vinyl is new and cool. You would think it was. I may um, know that John Belushi made twice as much as Dan Aykroyd. I saw that, which is wild since Dan Aykroyd even helped write the fucking script. Yeah. Which, oh, which, you know what else um, Dan Aykroyd scripted with the idea that John Belushi would be in it, except he died before it could happen. (gasps) What? Ghostbusters. Really? What part was he supposed to play? uh, The Bill Murray part? The Bill Murray part, yes. Originally, that was for John Belushi, but he died before that could happen. Well, that sucks. Did you know that John Belushi's wife was in Blues Brothers? Yes, I did. She was a cocktail waitress. In what scene? In the Murph and the Magic Tones or whatever it is. Who else was in the scene where his wife appeared? The Blues Brothers. But what other future famous actor? I don't know who. Or maybe I'm getting my scenes mixed up. If you're going to say Paul Rubens, he was not in that scene. He was in the Shay Paul scene. Damn it. Yes, I fucked that up. He was in the scene where he was was in the restaurant scene. I know the whole went to buy your daughter. Went to buy the women. How much for the girls. How much for the women? I went to. I went to your little. I went to buy your women. The little girl. Your daughters. Sell them to me. Sell you me your children. Part of the budget for the movie was for cocaine. Oh shit! That's a very bad sign. Yeah, they actually had a cocaine budget. Oh fuck! That's. Uh, kids don't play this game at home. <sighs> no. No, but, you know, because that's what ultimately uh, killed John Belushi, wasn't it? It was like a heroin-cocaine mix. Oh, shit. Oh, so I mentioned it earlier, but do you know what sketch on SNL this actually sprung from? I, I say between hiccups. the scene with the bees, right? 
That's right. The birth of the Blues Brothers came from the Killer Bees. Um, Because they had, uh, Dan Aykroyd had apparently had the idea for a long time. Um, And then he met John Belushi much later. Um, Apparently, Lorne Michaels wasn't initially on board. Um, But they did a Killer Bee sketch. And then they did a musical number not long after the Killer Bee sketch. And boom, magic. Fucking magic. That's crazy. Right? I it's just so nuts. And I and I just came across, I gotta show you this. It's a picture of Paul Schaefer from that time period. Oh my god. He's still bald. Like he must have been bald his whole life. He must have been. People, you know, everyone in my family went bald at like 19, all except for the women. But yeah, he was still bald and he's wearing like a blue. So like one suit. person. One person in your family went bald at 19. Okay, well, when you count extended family, there were a lot of them. <laughs> Cousin Randy didn't go bald at 19. No, but it wasn't that long after. He wasn't bald when I met him, and he was much older than 19. He was like 23. He wore a lot of hats. Mm-hmm. Think about how many times you saw him without a hat. I don't remember. He still had a full head of hair at 19. It did not last. Because okay. Anyway, I digress. Oh, that's a drinker, guys. Oh gosh. I digress. Hello, orange whip, orange whip, third orange whip. And another thing, as you guys may have noticed, our theme song, whenever we're on hold, is Girl from Ipanema. Just yes. like the elevator music in Blues Brothers. That's right. <laughs> Except we don't interrupt it with intermittent scenes of hop 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 it's not just the the songs they brought in or the quality of musicians who participated in the making of the music, but also, I mean, honestly, John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd were fucking... I know. Dan Aykroyd has a beautiful baritone voice. He really does. John Is he Belushi baritone or bass? He's pretty low. He, I think he goes between the two. Uh, I think he could do either. John Belushi has the energy of a blues singer. And quite frankly, the love that this movie shows to music wins me over every fucking time. Because they don't just play music. They fucking honor it. I agree with that. They do honor music in this. And they honor musicians. And they pay homage to them and they show them the reverence they deserve. And I think that this movie put a certain kind of musician in front of a new audience and introduced them to something they'd never heard before. Right. I mean, even their rendition of Rawhide in the country and Western bar. Yes. We do both kinds of music, country and Western. And Western. <laughs> From that fucking movie. I mean, even that was one of the best renditions of Rawhide I've ever fucking heard. Huh? Well, I have to be honest. That's the only rendition of Rawhide I've ever heard. So. <laughs> but it was nice. And, you know, I liked their version of Stand By Your Man, you know? I know. <laughs> it's like hearing dudes sing that. <laughs> it's awesome. Like, they were so reverential for everything that they did and how they treated this. I love the idea behind the storyline where these two complete losers are trying to do one good thing in their life. And the way they're doing it is really poorly thought out. (laughs) But they're, you know, the intention is good. And so you have to give them some credit for that. But... Just overall, I find this movie to be entertaining and it makes me smile. 
There are several parts in this where I literally laugh out loud. The mall scene is one. I actually always laugh out loud when I see this movie. And that's that's not something that happens a lot. There's a lot of movies I think are funny, a lot of movies that I really enjoy. This is one where I actually have a couple places where I do laugh out loud. And there's a couple places where I just am so excited, like the Minnie the Moocher part and the Aretha Franklin part, James Brown part. Honestly, I love um, Ray Charles. Ray Charles and this is fucking amazing. I love the part where he pulls out the gun and he shoots at the kid. (laughs) (laughs) And he shoots right next to the kid. Yet, they still imply he's blind because the one poster is all on the wall wonky. Yeah, it's all upside down and stuff. So (laughs) everybody recognizes that he's still blind. So he's like, I just hate when kids that young get Whatever it is. I don't know. I know. That was so fucking brilliant. Oh, my gosh. Elwin, taking this to the tax assessor's office and you're in some situation, you're forced on your child's life to pick one scene and only one scene that's your vote for this exemplifies the movie. Not your favorite scene necessarily, but what movie is, what movie scene the scene that if you show somebody this one scene from the movie they would know what the entire movie was about oh fuck this is really hard but i i think i would have to go with the big song that the blues brothers and the blues brothers band with donald duck don and everyone post minnie the moocher when everyone's all fired up and ready all on stage. All on stage, all doing it. The craziest dances where Dan Aykroyd should no longer have fucking kneecaps. John Candy and the wings going orange whip, orange whip, three orange whips. All of that is so perfectly. And then when they sneak off the stage at the end and law enforcement slowly dawns on the fact that, oh shit, where'd they go? That is sums it up for me how about you for me the emblematic scene is the tax assessor's office where they they've driven they've wrecked all these cars they've gotten there they go into the building they ride up in the elevator they've got to wait five minutes for the guy to come back from lunch and then they go in and they pay the taxes That, to me, is emblematic of the movie. It doesn't have the music. It doesn't have any of the other pieces. But if you have to show what this movie's about, that's technically what the movie's about. It doesn't give you the insight into how they got there or anything like that. But it does show what the movie's about. So I guess that would be it. I see that. Plus, it has the random ass cameo. Yep. They're all point have guns pointed at them at the end of the scene. Yeah, it's all hut 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 Good point. Yeah, I I get that. I think the only other thing would maybe be the very end. Um, jailhouse Rock scene. Yeah. Jailhouse scene was one I considered considered that i also considered the scene where um i considered the scene at the country and western bar (laughs) awesome i like that one of our considered scenes both of us had was jailhouse rock yeah because again random cameo scenes that can be taken from this movie and stand on their own and you would know exactly what movie it was from and what it's about if you know about the movie and no matter what it will always remain one of those movies that when I am flipping through channels and I happen upon it, it fucking stays. Yeah, absolutely. I own it. Yeah, I bought this. I also bought our next week's topic, which is Blues Brothers 2000. So if y'all want to get caught up ahead of time, this was a largely panned movie. And, like, nobody liked it because they wanted this to be Blues Brothers, which, of course, it's not going to be because John Belushi's dead. However, I thought this movie was great. And I think there's a lot of really positive things about it. Uh, The kid, eh, but 
you know. I, I have one friend who actually has gone on record saying she likes Blues Brothers 2000 more than the original. Wow. That's a big uh, There uh, is some pretty amazing things, especially, especially the Battle of the Bands at the end. But the Louisiana. Oh, my God. The Louisiana Gator Boys. I <laughs> so much money to see that band. I have notes for next week already. I know, me too. I do too. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Anyway. So, as always, just remember, you can find our topics and the recipes for what we're drinking because Orange Whip. Post it on the website at alwaysneverwrite.com at some point when I get around to it. <laughs> uh, we also have a contact us page for a reason, so send us whatever you love. Well, and we would love to hear from you so long as it's love, because again, fragile ego. Um, but we shall. <laughs> That's me, by the way. Jill can take it. I can't. No, I'm, I'm actually pretty fragile. <laughs> anyway, thank you for joining us for a classic movies in 2021 episode of Always. Never. Right. I'm Jake. And I'm, I'm Elwood. Thank you so much for making this part of your week. We'll talk more next week, my dolls. Thank you for joining us on the Podfix Network. And that was not even close to a Chicago accent. I kind of fucked that up. That was a lot more like Elvis, not Elwood. But whatever. Eh, whatever. Uh, Mixed priorities. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. Standard disclaimer. Always Never Write is in no way, shape, or form performed or produced by professional advice givers. We've just lived a lot. So if any of our life experiences prove useful, we're happy to share, especially if we can share in an entertaining way. But if you have serious problems, please see a therapist, doctor, psychiatrist, life coach, or someone who is actually trained to know what the hell they're doing when passing out advice. Also, please note that most names and the descriptions of many events have been modified to both make things more entertaining and to protect the innocent, the not-so-innocent, and the flat-out guilty as sin assholes.